0: Welcome to Two Guys in the Bible, a conversational theology, culture, and the Word of God. My name is Eric Leupold, and joined with me, as always, is the esteemed... Dylan Keniston. Dylan, how are you doing today? Good evening, amigo. What's going on, brother man? I used to be a, like a baron or a knight, and now I'm amigo. Yeah, I know. I had to I go appreciate... It was the first thing that came to my mind. A little bit of variety there. Exactly. Spicing
1: nice. it up a bit. That's
0: great. No, that's good. Um, and thank you all for tuning in this week and, and joining us on our conversation. Uh, we are a listener-supported podcast, and we truly appreciate uh, your help in keeping the lights on. We want to be a blessing to you, and um, I know that you guys have been a blessing to us, so we always appreciate your comments, um, questions, and uh, and anything any support you can get us, including your prayers. But that being said, today, and you know, part of our podcast is to address, like I said, cultural concerns, and um, we are going to look at Scripture a lot today, I hope, but uh, I do want to... A talk about a, a recent event. I mean in recent as in several months ago and perhaps many of you listening have already stopped thinking about it uh, but I we wanted to talk about the uh, recent shooting that took place in New Zealand uh, there uh, against against the uh, the mosque there in New Zealand um, and You know, this is a very difficult topic, but it's important, Uh, Dylan and I, I imagine you, Dylan, you agree with this, it's important for us to be able to look at things that are going on and try to unpack, unravel, respond in a Christian, uh, from a biblical biblical perspective. Yeah, amen and amen. Yeah. So that's what we're trying to do today. Like, you know, when this happened, I, you know, I started thinking about like, hey, you know, what, who's this guy? What's he doing? What's going on with that? Um... And I particularly became, you know, interested in, in when I heard that he had left the manifesto. Now we're not gonna, uh, we're not gonna uh, mention the guy's name. Don't want to give him any more, uh, in in infamy than he already has, uh, being that he's still alive today, uh, in custody though. Uh, thank the Lord. But we do want to. I think it's important that we actually respond, to what he said. Um, you know, I know it's a hard thing to do, uh, and maybe in our culture today, we don't really tend to look at, uh, what I what should I say, the um, the other side, or look at those who have uh, strong disagreements from us. So I'll give an example. Um, you know, Richard Dawkins is a very well-known atheist, um, and I've, I've read several of his books. He claims to be able to uh, destroy Christianity, destroy the Um, existence or or the need for religion and so hey you know what Uh, let's see what he has to say and I think as Christians especially as we as we grow maturity we shouldn't be afraid to um, look at read and engage even those those opinions that we consider to be horrific or just plain old wrong like really really wrong Um, and so that's what we're gonna do today as far as going through some of the highlights uh, that we saw in the um, uh, New Zealand Shooters Manif- Manifesto and how, how we can respond to that. Do you have any uh, thoughts you want to add to that before we... Dive on in, Dylan? Yeah, I would just,
1: you know, just to echo what you were saying, you know, I mean, in this show, I mean, I don't know that we've gone to the fringes too much, you know, kind of the margins of acceptable worldviews in this, you know, free market of ideas in our Western society. We don't go there very much, right? And I think this kind of falls under that category of of topics for us to touch on. Um, And to just complement what you were saying, you know, one of the ways that... I'll just give an example. I've heard it said, and I think rightly, that... um, if, let, let's just talk about the church for just for a minute, right? And the, this, this helps reinforce the point of, like, why even talk about this or bring this up. Yeah, exactly. So if you talk about the church for a minute, you know, I've heard it said, if you, if you don't preach, on, you got to preach the whole counsel of God's word, right? Yes. If you don't preach on the Holy Spirit for, like, a generation or, or much less, what you're inviting in is certain Pentecostal, uh, extreme, certain extreme wings of Pentecostal thought. Or charismatic thought, right? And and the point being, you're creating a vacuum, right? If there's a certain doctrine or or truth that the Bible holds out that you're not preaching on or engaging, then you just avoid it. You just avoid it, right? Like, or you know, let's say, well, I haven't. I'm not quite sure about. I don't know, some kind of issue that I think is peripheral, and even if the text brings it up, I'm just not going to mention it much. Well, you create a vacuum, and what happens is you get people who are pointing out this other stuff that the Bible is saying that you're not dealing with, and they're saying, what about that? And what tends to happen is you get this pendulum swing where you get the extreme end of, of that to make up for the lack thereof, right? So something analogous, I think, happens in in our society, right, where you have— um, th- there are certain ideas that are very much um, off limits to be probed in polite society. Yes. And, and that's, I think, part of what gives rise to some of these kinds of extreme outbursts. Uh, you know, somebody going and cr- committing heinous acts of terrorism and murderous acts is if there's something that's not being engaged or dealt with or just kind of dismissed outright um, it's not you know that's that's not helpful right it it is it is important at some level even if you're dealing with ideas that are kind of on the fringes or on the margins every now and then to come back to those things and say you know what does God's word say about this so that Mm -hmm. we so that we don't create kind of that vacuum that gets filled by um, more extreme versions of, of that.
0: Yeah. Does that make I, sense? Yeah. So to paraphrase it, we shouldn't be afraid to talk about these things. Don't be afraid to talk about these things, and it's and you know also kind of partly why it's important too. Yeah. Exactly. And so uh, with that, uh, Dylan and I both read uh, through his manifesto, uh, which was fairly long and. Uh, you know, it wasn't too in-depth, I would say, but there were some points that, um, so to give, to give a context or, or a refresher to those who aren't quite remembering exactly what happened, what he ended up doing was he engaged in a mass shooting, I believe it was at two mosques in New Zealand, uh, and the result was around, I think, 50 individuals, I believe in men, women, and children. Mm-hmm. So, so from 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 all age brackets, I would say, yeah. uh, killed and Lord have mercy. Yeah, Lord have mercy, certainly. And he uh, he posted this this uh, manifesto. So now he um, explains in his manifesto why he did what he did, um, and you know we're not going to go through all of the points, but I guess it seems like the great motivation for him is that he from his perspective believed that his quote unquote white culture i suppose he uses that that terminology was being displaced or replaced by what he viewed to be a foreign hostile culture and he's specifically referring to the muslim culture now uh, he speaks about birth rates, he, he, he mentions the lack of birth rates uh, amongst the Western nations, including New Zealand, Canada, the United States, and Europe. Uh, he demonstrates uh, an angst, or, uh, or he shows that he's not happy with the current Western culture, being very hedonistic, very nihilistic, so it's kind of self-centered, focused on Materialism and very individualistic. Okay, so very a lack of um, community, if you will, and so he sees in these other cultures higher birth rates, uh, a greater sense of community, uh, and he views those things, this these other cultures as a threat, because they are essentially those cultures are coming into the Western societies. And basically replacing or displacing the current, what he views to be his white culture. Mm. Uh, and now he himself comes from, I believe, an Australian, New Zealand, or uh, a background of uh, him ethnic wise. But that seems to be the gist of his, I guess, motivations. Uh, the reason why he decided to go. And become violent um, personally, uh, or I should say individually, without, uh, you know, just on his own, is he actually views himself or viewed himself as a freedom fighter, someone who was engaging in self defense, if you would, um, against what he perceived to be an invasion. Yeah. So he uses that kind of terminology uh, to describe the situation uh that uh that that surrounded his his actions there so um i guess it, it, i mean just the, that's the general context here of the seems to be the general motives and before we start unraveling them or comparing them to what God's word has to say. Anything else you want to add on that? No, I think Bill? that's a fair summary.
1: I mean, I, I think basically what he's envisioning is there's, there's you know, what he would envision as like, kind of like a white European culture and you have people who are what he would call, you know, invaders coming into, quote-unquote, you know, our homelands uh, and, and coming in as invaders and taking over essentially and displacing white people and, you know, white Europeans and white European culture. Um, he's got some other reasons, too. Like, for example, he, he ties back to, uh, you know, Europeans being taken from their lands by Islamic uh, slave traders, um, and he wants to take revenge for that, uh, those Europeans who've lost their lives in terror attacks. Uh, he, he mentions, you know, a particular uh, instance that he experienced personally where he saw uh, he someone... Get killed. Who was, you know, innocent uh, in his eyes uh, by a terrorist attack. Um, he also wants to reduce immigration rates, right? So he's trying to intimidate uh, those who are who are Muslims that are coming from a non-white European background from coming into what he would call white European lands. So there's a whole host of reasons that, that he's really kind of uh, going after, um, you know, this this manifesto and and laying out his thoughts. and Mm -hmm. and outlining why he carried out these just vicious and heinous attacks.
0: Yeah. Uh, And actually, in his own words, he he mentions that he was born in Australia, but he's of Scottish, Irish, and English descent. Uh, And he says, uh, even uh, at the beginning of his manifesto, that his own intention is to create fear, which he hopes would lead to drastic revolutionary action. He wants to destabilize and basically, he, he says, uh, quote, to eventually destroy the current nihilistic, hedonistic, individualistic insanity that has taken control of Western thought. So he sees the West, Western culture, as becoming, in his words, I guess, some kind of decadence, some kind of uh, horrible set- situation. But he thinks the solution is to destroy it via polar- polarization, destabilization, through violence, or to destroy what it's become, right? He's, he's yes, he's destroying kind of, what it's become. Yeah,
1: he what what he really want? Because he's if you were to ask this person, um, you know, are you? Well, he he's he actually the, the way his manifesto is laid out is it's a series of questions and answers, right? Yeah. So everything's kind of formatted as a question, and then he gives an answer, and he asks it. You know, at one point, are you a racist? And he says, well, it kind of depends on your definition. But yeah, I guess if you have a certain definition of it, you could call me a racist. But he's not necessarily saying that. Uh, one people group is 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 better than another he might believe that but in his writing what he's trying to say is is basically he's in favor of of segregation at a at a a national state level right all the races should basically live in their own lands have their own cultures and within that framework he's happy to Go and visit some culture that's not his own, and he says, "You know, I've enjoyed the hospitality of cultures that are not my own, and I've had loving exchanges yes, with those. He he's traveled around. I've the world. traveled around the world, you know. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, these invaders are coming into white European lands, and we need to uh, get them out, essentially, yeah. so that they go back to their land and their and their home.
0: Yeah. In fact, uh, one statement he says, "I uh, quote." I wish the different peoples of their world all the best, regardless of their ethnicity, race, culture, or faith, and that they live in peace and prosperity amongst their own people, practicing their own traditions in their own nations. Yeah. So a place for everyone and everyone in their place right. is essentially, and you and I were talking about this before we, uh, when we started broadcasting, but it seems like he wants to return the state back to, after the Tower of Babel, mm. yeah, you know, like right when God scatters the nations, basically puts them all in their place mm. and gives them all their own cultures and language They can't even talk to each other. That's kind of like what he wants to go back to. He thinks that is the goal. Mm. That is the goal. He's not saying even. And I want. I want to be careful. I mean, obviously, I don't think he likes uh, some of those other cultures. But his big. His big. You know his big beef, if you will, with them is their quote-unquote incursion into Western lands. Mm. Um, So, uh, and in fact, he even says uh, a little bit earlier that the, quote, the only Muslim I truly hate is the convert, those from our own people that turn their backs on their heritage, turn their backs on their cultures, turn their backs on their traditions and become blood traders to their own race. These I hate. Now, you know, okay, so... Let's pause and start unpacking this a little bit. I think there's a lot to be said about the errors in his thought. Yeah. But one error, and I'm not even going to Scripture yet, but one error in his thought is he, he, he mixes apples and oranges because he associates—he says he hates the Muslim convert, okay? And he— but then he said and he says that he doesn't like it when his people turn their backs on their culture traditions and they become blood traders. Now it's weird because he seems to associate ethnicity and race to ideas. Mm. Basically like well Muslims are this particular ethnicity, this particular race, not an idea. I mean, he re- he would say it's a religion. Yeah. But it's interesting that um You know, it almost makes it... I mean, his thought is essentially racist in nature in the sense that he believes that certain ethnicities have certain beliefs, and that's it. Yeah. You know, um, which is odd, because there are Muslims of every ethnicity in the entire world, Mm. just like there are Christians Mm -hmm. of every ethnicity in the entire world. It's the ideas that change people. It's not their ethnicity that, 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 you know, changes... You know, does that does that make sense? Does, saying, yeah. yeah,
1: he's 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 definitely conflating the ideas, and I. So one of the things, I mean, you, we we're mentioning both race and ethnicity interchangeably. So for the purposes of this podcast, because this document is not making that distinction we're not necessarily making that distinction that here correct. between race and race and ethnicity. there is a distinction there way. is a distinction there, there. so let's just take if if that's jumping up in mind K- let's just he set oversimplifies that. it's oversimplified we'll yes. set that to the side you know race generally is kind of this this social construct usually a, a cultural notion of of skin color uh that that the concept of which as it's been used in american history i, I think has no basis in the bible whatsoever then there's ethnicity which has kind of this physical connotation your your blood your birthright from a particular uh people group right so that's but for him now what what to to your point eric he's taking this notion of kind of color and culture Mm -hmm. and he's and he's conflating them in a way right because to your point you can have a white european muslim and it doesn't you know such a one might not you know very cleanly fit his his framework Mm -hmm. Um, but he would say right that this is this is a cultural apostasy, right? That such a one has basically rejected their culture and is, you know, to to turn a phrase, worse than an unbeliever
0: right yeah. in, a, in yeah. a sense his culture has become in his way his the, the gospel yeah like that's his that's his god or yeah, that cultural is. purity yeah gets tied to ethnic purity which is weird is, yeah because i want to so here's what he says about to the question are you a racist right in his own manifesto he says you know answer the question are you racist he says this quote yes by definition as i believe racial differences." exist between peoples and they have a great impact on the way we shape our societies. I also believe fertility rates are part of those racial differences and that the immigrants in our lands with a high fertility must be forced out to ensure the existence of our race. Now, again, there's so much confusion in that statement because there's so much that goes into fertility rates than just your skin color sure. your ethnicity yeah. i mean goodness gracious you you just look at look back at um at uh, early early united states or early uh, europe the birth rates were very high you look at um i've, I've looked at statistics between christians and non-christians in and in a, in, a, in a you know generally speaking not atheists have less children than christians the mormons have a lot of children comparatively to so the whole point is that it's not really ethnic it has to do with your beliefs do you value family do you think children are a blessing and a resource and something to have or do you consider them to be a burden yeah. to be inconvenient and therefore to be not had yeah. at all so it, it ties to, back it
1: ties back to his conflation of like culture race and religion exactly if you conflate those then then yeah you can see like where his his definition of racism in his mind would would make sense but to your point these are different things right yeah. if, if you if you your your fertility rate to your point is is as a as a religious group is partly a function of your religion or your worldview or maybe the culture that it's born out of and the medicine uh, also. But it's not necessarily a function of your skin color. No, not at all. Right? Or even of your ethnicity. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I mean, it's interesting, because one of the, so, you know, okay, let me just preface what I'm about to say with, you know, Hitler knew that 2 plus 2 equaled 4. Yeah. Right? So, one of the things I don't think that we're saying is that this individual is, um, is crazy, or in the sense of, like, what he's saying is not intelligible, right? What he's saying is is understandable and then we're teasing out the error in his thought that's correct right okay so now with that preface you know when he's talking about some of the birth rate disparities and fertility rate disparities between religious groups he's he's, he's saying basically that Muslims have higher fertility rates Mm -hmm. so because they value children and family well there's there's I guess there's there's truth to that point yeah like a lot of research has been done you know Pew Research has done some pretty thorough work on this front you know the data is what it is. You, you don't combat evil on the basis of falsehood. So you, you I mean, look, he, he's he's saying the birth rates among Muslims tends to be higher. But Islam's than globally not this; it's a religion. That's the yes. It's tied to well, it's tied to a lot of reasons, right? I yeah. mean, part of it is religious. Part of it is their age demographic tends to be younger globally. So I mean, there, there's a num. I mean, when you're measuring global trends of fertility, it is tremendously complex because there's so many variables to control for. But by and large, you know, if you were going to say in a kind of a broad blanket statement that generally Muslim fertility rates are higher than those of other religious worldviews, that's true, right? So now you get a lot of pushback when that's said, though, right? Because you get cries that, you know, any kind of claim about Muslim population growth outpacing every other people group, there, there's cries of xenophobia, right and mm-hmm. it's just you're only saying that because you're 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 trying to stir up xenophobic concerns about immig- about immigration or about muslims taking over your lands or your culture you know europe's going through some of this a lot of this right now you're trying to stir up xenophobia well you know i mean a it, the data is what it is right we've already said that that fertility rates among we shouldn't Muslims be afraid to say that they should, have more children shouldn't be afraid to say they have more children and
0: that the and that a lot of cultures that are very selfish and don't value children yes. don't have children
1: now to be fair to that group though when they when they raise concerns about citing that statistic as stirring up xenophobic uh, concerns this particular chap kind of embodies exactly what they're warning against yes right that that it, so when we talk about these these po- data points or these facts you know i you know we we all have heard many of us have heard the phrase you know facts don't care about your feelings
0: that's it, true there
1: is a sense in which that's true right um but to there is a kind of uh delicate a, a delicacy with which you want to talk through some of these things carefully right Beca- precisely because you can unwittingly give fuel to the fire of yeah. someone like this so you see i don't know i, I, th- I think you want maybe i think you want to be careful right i think it's it's you want to say what's true and you want to say it wisely i guess is is the concern yeah so and i'm not saying people haven't been what i am saying is you you can have someone here who takes fact and tw- and Interprets it through a twisted lens, and it becomes a, a bludgeon for him. Sure, you know what I mean, and, and, that's, the, and that's dangerous.
0: And the other issue is that he his solution is simply wrong. Right. So, so I mean, let's do a thought experiment. I mean, let's say the facts are what they are. Let's say that a culture is values children mm-hmm. and has more children, values marriage. Okay. All right, and um, you know, believes in marriage, and generally speaking, the the Muslim religion teaches that marriage is between one man and one woman. Well, they have they allow for multiple women. I was going to say, I they actually do think allow that for a ties polygamy. into yeah, yeah
1: polygamy. I think ties yeah. into some of those trends, especially in in Af- some parts of Africa. That's true. Yeah, where That's the true. birth rates are really high.
0: Yeah, they are particularly high. That's true. Um, okay, and then let's say that there's another culture that does not value children. Oh, mm. well, you know. <laughs> that culture that does not value children I mean (laughs) when you act like that it's no surprise that your culture diminishes and that's that's what happens you you get displaced this has happened all throughout human history no people group that I I can't even think of any people group right now I'm sure there is one but is in the place they originally started Mm -hmm. I mean Turkey was not Originally, started, originally founded by the Turks. Uh, England is the Angles and the Saxons, Germanic tribes that invaded uh, the island of Britain and settled there. Um, you know, you got the Normans in Normandy. Uh, you know, you, so many different tribes and groups of people have always been moving around, displacing others. Um, the people of Israel displaced uh, the, the, the people of the land of Canaan. Um, so I guess the, the point is that, you know, we shouldn't be surprised. Uh, when a culture that abandons uh, what what God wants it to do or what God's law says ends up being, yeah. you know, d- diminished, right? Because right. the culture of death is a culture, you know, a culture that celebrates, let's say, abortion mm. and wants it unrestrained and unmitigated, and at at any moment, maybe even paid for by the government, uh, that celebrates that. Values, death. Yeah, um, and it's like almost like in the, in the book of Proverbs, where where wisdom speaks, right? And, and it says, "All who hate me love death. Mm-hmm. All who hate me love death." I mean, so there's a sense in which I really do believe that uh, cultures that that abandon uh, 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 God's ordinances, uh, God's laws revealed in nature and revealed in Scripture, are on the has to not
1: existing anymore. Yeah. And that's and I think therein, <laughs> therein lies part of the irony, right? Let, let's just, as a thought experiment, right? Pretend that this person got everything you wanted and mm-hmm. and nations were essentially segregated according to mm-hmm. racial and cultural uh, distinctives. And there was
0: no movement allowed. Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah. There's no immigration, there's no, it, it, right? So he says, um, white people are failing to reproduce, failing to create families, failing to have children. Okay, again, there's it's an oversimplification. It is very much could, so. You could cherry-pick a lot of differences there, oh, yeah. and, but but let's just take that on the face of it, by and large, if you're looking in comparison to other kind of racial or cultural or religious kind of worldview groups, we can take that as generally true. Okay, if he got what he wanted, then white European nations would be out of the business by, you know... the. You know late 2000s anyway
0: they would die they would die out because right because they wouldn't have enough children anyway
1: exactly so it's it ultimately kind of becomes self-defeating in a sense
0: it really is and so it seems like this guy has a view of uh, utopia or uh, um, the end goal of, of going back to Babel and you know what's interesting about that and he thinks that the, that the solution to, to accomplishing that is through violence yeah is really what it comes down to Um You know, it's it's almost like I mean, uh, it's just uh, you know one thought that crossed my mind as I was reading through this. Like he constantly is complaining about birth rates and culture, and I'm like, well, man, how about? How about instead of picking up a gun how about you go get married and have some kids yeah and you know, he, it's, it's, like, it's and like he addresses it's like, that too like he,
1: <laughs> he has one of his questions in his in his manifesto is um, well why don't you just go get married and have kids and basically what he's saying is you know by that point it's 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 already too late we already need a more extreme solution so like here's yeah, so, so there's exactly. so I think what we're pointing out here right is that there's errors kind of at two different levels right one is kind of there's an error with respect to goal,
0: with respect to what he's after. That's correct. He's, resp- he's his goal to summarize it is a is a evil babble, form, post Babel, if you will.
1: So uh, that's one level of error, kind yep. of foundational That's level. one then level. An, error, another yep. level of error is in the means carried out towards that goal right that he's used so i think this is where it's probably um easier to get broader consensus and and agreement is like you know by and large um we agree acts of terrorism are bad and you know by terrorism what i mean is some act of violence carried out uh, by a by an individual who's not associated with the highest command of, of government, right? He's not in the military. He's not in the military. Well, so it's some attack carried out by an individual for political means, right? Or for some and kind it's of political an goal. attack
0: against women and children, so or civilians, I right? Should say. So it's
1: it's not yeah. just like oh, well, he's instilling psychological terrorism, and therefore it's terrorism, right? I mean, there is there's some of there's an element of that, but more fundamentally, it's it's for some political aim that is an act of violence executed towards a political aim that's not ordered by the highest governmental authority. Right. So he, he, that's, I I think terrorism is the right label here. Oh, he
0: even agrees he's a terrorist. He does. Yeah.
1: So, so I, I think what's really interesting to me is I think there are movements that are afoot in society that kind of come about as in some ways reactions to certain trends. So this is why I kind of want to address, and I'm sure we'll get to it biblically, uh, some of the errors at the goal level, right? Is it, is it right? Because there have been some Christians who've argued in favor of segregation of races, and, and some of the more rigorous of these thinkers, you know, you think, you know, it wasn't that long ago when there were, you know, many, many Christians who were very against interracial marriage, you know, for very analogous reasons, yeah. and you take that line of thought and you kind of walk it down the line of consistency towards the, the level of the nation, right? And the state and the culture. Um, and these kinds of ideas exist today, right? So I, I, I hesitate to use the term because mm-hmm. it gets bantered about so frequently in political discourse and it's kind of a landmine. So I want to be, I don't want to make this episode about this term, but what he's articulating and he doesn't use this language. Right, mm-hmm. but it has some uh, congruity with what we have come to know in, in America as the alt right, right, where mm-hmm. you, you have, you know, someone like, um, someone like a Richard Spencer, right, who is, who's kind of a lead, a popular thinker associated with the movement, who espouses basically the same sentiments. As this individual, even if it not so, I'm talking again at the level of goal. You know, he, he the goal, the goal, right? Not the means, not the means that's necessarily. Right, the means. We're, we're,
0: talk, we're, we're talking about, about the goal, yeah, right? Mm-hmm.
1: So what? Yeah. And what unites kind of the alt right at a philosophical level is this notion that Western civilization isn't just a, a set of beliefs, right? But it's it's the Western civilization is rooted in European ethnicity.
0: Yes, right.
1: That's kind of the root that's of that's their view. Yeah, yeah. and so. That's why I, I think it's important to handle the level of goal in and the error in the goal because yep. I think this notion of segregation of people groups and, oh, I'm not saying that this other people group is better or worse than my people group. I just, I just want think, them over there. I just want them over there. I mm-hmm. just think they need to be separated out. This
0: is our land. That's your land. Right. And never shall we move around or exchange again.
1: Yeah, so Which, I, I, that is just tremendously dangerous. It I is. Think. Oh yeah, and I think just biblically wrongheaded. Mm-hmm. So,
0: <laughs> because um, yeah, because history has shown us that's not how life works. I mean, God has moved peoples around all throughout the world, um, and I think the biggest one that that I mean, the biggest biblical argument against the goal, mm. we'll talk about the means in yeah. a little bit. <clears throat> Excuse me, is the fact that God has reversed Babel. So the intention, yeah was not for things to stay at Babel um I'm thinking of uh you know the book of acts pentecost yeah right where where all these different uh, groups hear the gospel in their own language yeah and it's just amazing so i uh, i'll let me read it here when uh acts chapter two uh, verses one and i'll uh I'll probably go to verse uh, because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language, Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? I'll just stop there. But the point is that this is a beautiful picture. I mean, all the nations that are listed there, Arabians too, mm. those who would eventually become, you know, the, the Islam would come out of Arabia uh, about 600 years from now uh, at this time of the book of Acts. But it's just amazing how God is uniting yeah. All these nations together, under the gospel, by the power of the Holy Spirit, he's undoing what he had done at Babel. Mm. And that is completely that that is not the goal of, of, of this of this man and his manifesto or Richard Spencer, like you said, like they do not want that kind of undoing of Babel. Mm. You know? Mm-hmm would you agree with 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 that there really?
1: yeah yeah i would okay. and so what what basically what you're saying when you're when you're referencing babel is basically at that time the nations had come together in kind of this this evil unity
0: it was an evil unity like right? this let us make our a name for ourselves exactly
1: but yeah. there was there was a unity there kind of a, a linguistic unity yeah. right so that at the end of basically one of the god's curse for man's rebellion in that was to distinguish the languages of the participants right and kind that's of scatter right. them back
0: because they were trying to make themselves greater than god in a way like they're going to build this tower they're going to reach heaven mm-hmm. and uh and all that so it was a form of pride and rebellion actually against god um, so so that kind of i think that's probably the strongest uh, biblical argument against their goal that these individuals and that this new zealand shooter has But now the means. You want to talk about that for a little bit? The means of of this? I mean, we would obviously agree that um, (laughs) violence is not how you build God's kingdom. Yeah. Now, these guys, of course, are not trying to build God's kingdom. They're trying to build a kingdom. Right. A different kind of kingdom that's based on man's ideas. Mm. Right. And they think that violence is the... Uh, only solution, and in fact, there's a, there's a part in the manifesto where he even says, uh, like, every nation has been formed by violence, and that violence is the only uh, true, uh, lasting solution. Uh, I want to try it's to... power, f- right? Power. It he gets, well, power. well,
1: no, I'm, I'm just saying, like, what's, what's ironic about this is that, you know, in, so, in, a, in the Christian worldview, you have true grounds for unity in diversity. That's right. right. In Christ, in the triune Godhead. And it's, you you have the resources to handle that. Whereas outside of a Christian worldview, by and large, what you end up being left with is either this brute unity or this brute kind of segregation and differentiation along could be racial lines, Mm -hmm. lines of gender, class, right? That's what you're left with. And, And so it's, it's ironic to me. So just real quick, before we turn there, yeah, I, yeah, I sure. did have a couple of passages I wanted to touch on with respect to goal again. Let's do um, it. So, uh, first of all, uh, and I, I, this, for this one in particular, um, I don't have a, a passage ready. I, I know that this is uh, touched on, but um, with respect to keeping the races separate, you know, Moses marries Miriam. Oh, yeah. Who's a Kushite. Exactly. Right? A black woman. Yes. So so you have that those grounds. But even even outside, you might say, well, you know, Moses is still part of God's people. But even in how God's people were to handle those who were not God's people, uh, let me just open up right here. We have Le- Leviticus 19. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, sorry, I have the wrong reference there. Let me turn to 1915. Uh, one of the things I found, yeah, here it is, a couple of passages that speak to no partiality in judgment, okay? So Leviticus 19.15, you shall do no injustice in court. You shall not be partial to the poor or defer to the great, but in righteousness shall you judge your neighbor. Uh, Deuteronomy 1.17, you shall not be partial in judgment. You shall hear the small and the great alike. You shall not be intimidated by anyone. Uh, Deuteronomy 16.19, same kind of thing. Do not distort justice. Sh- show no partiality. Now, when you're ta- when you hear this language of showing partiality, what you're hearing there is is a it's a Hebrew idiom. It, me- it says, "Do not look upon the face."
0: Mm.
1: Right. So, he, why is Lady Justice blindfolded? Exactly. In a sense, right? Yep. It's this notion that showing partiality is to look at someone and and think of them differently. Now, what's interesting is there are several passages where this injunction not to show partiality gets tied to the alien or the sojourner right. or the immigrant, That's right? Right. So Deuteronomy 27, verse 19, curse be anyone who perverts the justice due to the sojourner. Um, likewise, Jeremiah 22, verse 3, thus says the Lord, do justice and righteousness and deliver from the hand of the oppressor him who has been robbed and do no wrong or violence to the resident alien. Um, there's this notion of those who are immigrants, right? In the context of uh what was and, and again you have to be very careful about making parallels between ancient Israel and America of course right I'm, I'm not saying that we are like America is Israel I'm not saying that by any stretch of the imagination what I am saying is that part of God's standard for executing justice at a national level at a state level does include no partiality including towards the culture or race or ethnicity or yeah the alien, right? Or someone who's not necessarily a native to your land. And so it is, from from God's perspective, a perversion of justice to look differently at someone who is maybe not of your land, not of your your quote-unquote kin, and then look at them and say, you're of a different sort. And your being here is not acceptable, and therefore, you're not privy to, let's say, some of the rights that are like the, the, the rights in this framework are not necessary, are, are not, God-given. Not, not God given. They're not part of the no, imago. Exactly. They get tied to your identity, your tribe as part of a nation, yep. right? And whether you're in the bounds of that nation, and God's word just flies in the face of that. So, I just wanted to yep. mention that. This is a couple of handful of themes oh. that I think. that you can trace through and say, look, even this notion of segregation along national and racial lines is not even, it's not desirable, right? God, I think explicitly speaks against it in many, many respects. And
0: in in fact, I mean, I have to find precisely the passage there, but it's God who sets the boundaries of the nations. It's God who, who is in control of who gets born, where and when, right? Like, you don't have any control over where you're born. He puts men and women where they are. Yeah. And he's the one that that moves yeah. men and women wherever they go in the world. And to basically try to, I don't know, take a snapshot of the world and freeze it. Yeah. Like, it needs to stay like this and not not change at all. Right. That doesn't...
1: It doesn't work. They're now there basically is playing God. Exactly. Now, now God does draw a line here, right? There is a a line with respect to. Um, now, again, this is a little bit different, uh, but with respect to marriage, that God draws a line, and that line is to that a believer is not to marry an unbeliever.
0: Yeah, that's right? true. Right. So, so yeah. there
1: are some familial ties that are to be avoided, um, but when the Bible speaks about those ties, they're always couched in that in that religious language it's They're not, not ethnic. it's not ethnic it's not cultural that is exactly. correct yeah. that is
0: correct so they so yeah these individuals like the alt-right and some of those folks and and this stuff, of course this uh, this shooter he is elevating race above above all things yeah. and really everything must be subservient to that in fact um i was particularly bothered by uh, he made a statement um uh, uh, what is it? He said, uh, "Are are you going to abandon your racial responsibilities?" Um, I can't find particularly where that quote is, but he mentions uh, he mentions that um, he kind of asks the reader, like, "Are you going to abandon your racial responsibilities?" Like, it's like, really, you're responsible to your race? Well, first of all, it's an oversimplification of race, and Actually, you're responsible to God. He's your creator, and it's his law that we are all uh, under. Um, so, yeah. So, we talked a little bit about the goals there, obviously, yeah. how they are uh, quite uh, quite uh, uh, different. And, in- and he mentions a ton of, like, he says, look, and this
1: is what we were talking about earlier when we were saying, like, if you, there is there is a danger in, in suppressing facts or suppressing ideas because it creates this vacuum. I was mentioning that earlier. Um and you know, in that vein, you know, the mention of you know fertility rates among Muslims tends to be one of those things that just kind of like it's you know dismissed out of hand. It's it's xenophobic. It's not really something we talk about. Well, there's other there's other things too, right? So he he mentions past enslavement of Europeans by Muslims. I mean, at the time of the Ottoman Empire, when they were pressing down the walls of Vienna, there were many many Muslims who took many many Europeans as slaves. Um, and and even even more than that, I mean, we we talk about kind of the um, the, the slave trade in, in America um, there was a, there was a, a, another slave trade going on at a much greater scale uh, in, in among Muslim lands for hundreds too. of years for hundreds of exactly yeah. so he does reference but you don't hear that taken up in the literature a whole lot right and he does mention you know the past enslavement of europeans by muslims as a reason for kind of carrying out these attacks and again it just goes to reinforce the point i was making earlier that if you if you downplay certain facts of of history you you get this this vacuum where somebody's going to try and fill it and do something extreme about it because nobody's paying attention to some some of those facts it just that side just doesn't get taken up in the literature very much yeah. You know, he. So I, I think he gets a miss there, though, right? It's a it's a major miss because he's he's trying to avenge past enslavements and past injustices of of, mm-hmm. of Europeans by Muslims. The bottom line on that is, in history, no one's hands are clean,
0: right? Well, that's you go, true. You go
1: digging through any. People groups history. Go back to Adam, right? Go back to Adam. You're (laughs) gonna find some skeletons in that closet. Exactly. You go back to Adam, and you just you trace it all the way back to the garden. Um, It just you can't. It's just so anyway. There's a number of other things that we can mention, right? He says, "Why use firearms?" You know, he he has this whole diatribe on why he would use a gun as opposed to some other means of, of of carrying out his act of terrorism. You know, and he basically talks about how. The, the u.s is being torn apart by the second amendment and that that's along racial lines and and in particular there what he's talking mm-hmm. about is the black community that is not true there are there are many in the black community who are very mm-hmm. pro-gun right not least as a means of of self-defense in in what many might call kind of uh, you know along certain worldview lines what many might call you know uh, certain forms of oppression for self-defense you know against maybe against a, a you know, a police state kind of thing. And they, you know, so I, I'm just saying that there are so many misses. I, um, here's another one, right? If you survived, did you intend to go to trial? He says, yes, and to plead not guilty. The attack was par- a partisan action against an occupying force, an occupying force, right? And he says, I am a lawful, uniformed combatant. Hmm. From Okay, that is amazing. According to who? Exactly. So from, from, <laughs> from just war theory, from a Christian perspective, declarations of war and acts of aggression are only permitted by the highest governmental authority, right? They're not acts of yeah. guerrilla tactics. you not a vigilante. He's not a, you no. cannot be a vigilante, right? No. From, that is not just. And, and as such, he is guilty. And so, oh, Yeah.
0: I mean, yeah, ex- I, he's guilty of, of, of a whole host of things, let alone just murder. Right. I mean, obviously. I, um, so there's, that, a, a, yeah. I guess,
1: just, just a number of things in there that I just wanted to touch on before we yeah. come to the means. Yeah. Um, well, but, I mean, that, but, yeah. it does
0: kind of touch on the means there. I mean. The firearms. The yeah. firearms. Like, like he, he sees himself as engaging in lawful combat. Now, he you know, he grades himself on his own curve uh, using his own standard. He's not a uniformed combatant. He gave no oath of... Office. He has no uh, endowment. He doesn't uh, have the authority. He had no authority. He yeah. got no authority. I mean, it, it, I mean, think of it like, I mean, just could you imagine just a, a just a policeman just breaking into your house and just you know taking your stuff and say, I'm a policeman. It's like, well, you 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 have a certain authority and you need to come in the name of the law with the proper warrant and and all of the all of the things that come along with that. Yeah. You, know, you know. You know. Just because you don't like the way something is, doesn't mean that you have now the authority to go do what you want about it. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, he's clearly uh, trying to take vengeance, quote-unquote vengeance, which, it, it doesn't even fit into that category. Right. Uh, these particular individuals that he, and here's the other thing that, that that's interesting. He associates, um, again, this, this is actually a racist idea, communal guilt. Yeah. So, you know, so, we hear it on both sides, right? I mean, you, can, you could talk about white people are guilty of, collectively, of collectively as a collective of oppression, mm-hmm. of African Americans, you know, slavery. Regardless of even if your ancestors came after slavery was over, they were immigrants from Ireland or Germany, or maybe they themselves were. In that case, you're a beneficiary of yeah, an oppressive system. Exactly. Yeah. But, but he does the reverse. He is holding these individuals... In a way, because he calls himself, you know, uh, doing this as an act of self-defense. So he believes that he's engaging uh, that these individuals, men, women, and children, who didn't do anything wrong to him, are guilty Yeah. Of a, of, a, of a particular crime that is deserving of death Yeah. in his perspective. So he is associating collective guilt in a way. What's, you know, the guilt of the whole culture can be tied to, you know, I'm going to blame you for 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 what's going on yeah you're the ones that are taking the punishment for the sins the quote unquote sins of others which, which is also very anti-biblical yeah uh, both in the uh, and i believe in deuteronomy or leviticus and in ezekiel talks about fathers will not be put to death for their children right. and children not put to death for their fathers each shall die for his own sin yeah. so you don't get to even if you, you don't get to kill someone because their grandfather hurt your grandfather.
1: Yeah. And not only yeah. just kind of like in an American context, right. We, t- we typically will think of kind of these racial lines between, you know, white and black. And we're talking about collective guilt and how it's articulated. <laughs> yeah. But what's it, what struck me too, as I was reading his manifesto was there's this odd, there's this consonance between how he's thinking and how, you know, cause I've also, um, you know, read some, uh, material by Muslim extremists as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. The, 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 the congruity of the language and of the of the posturing is so is is striking, right? Where you see yourself as kind of um, taking violent action mm-hmm. now, in this case of let's say uh, Muslim acts of terrorism. It doesn't sure. just have to be in the West. You have a lot of you know internal oh, Sunni
0: versus Shia, right? Exactly.
1: Yeah. But but yeah. the point being, there's there's some kind of, in particular with the West though. More so, this language crops up with the West is the, that language of. Colonialism and, and of the, the West coming in and encroaching on Islam to rob Islam of its vitality with its secularism and its individualism mm-hmm. and its materialism. And so... They're where, justified. So, so they're justified, right? Yes. There's this communal uh, guilt that is on the West. So you take it up a level from whiteness, right? Mm-hmm. And now you talk about the West collectively as a civilization that's now guilty for encroaching on... Uh, Muslim lands as yeah. colonial occupiers, and so when they execute uh, acts of terrorism against non-combatants, they think of themselves as justified. Yeah, that is remarkably congruous with what this individual is saying.
0: Exactly, and if I may add, this is the thought process of men like Hitler. Yeah, I mean, think about it this way: I, I've personally read. Hitler's book, Mein Kampf, because yeah. I wanted to understand that man's mind as best as I could, and again, unpack it and critique it. Stare evil in the face. Stare it in the face, man. Don't be afraid yeah. to, to respond to evil with the truth of God's word. Amen. Right? But in his, in his book, again, it's the same idea. He, he, Hitler uh, uh, viewed the Jewish people as a threat, and they were stealing the vitality Of the German people, they were robbing uh, Europe of its of what of what could have been, right? What could have been these lofty dreams and goals, right? And he, you know, he blames them for all the problems, if uh, most, if not all, the problems of of the German society, the greater German society that includes Austrians, Germans, whatever the case may be. And so he views himself as being the savior. Of the German people against this enemy. Yeah, and it just strikes me because, like, and for those of you listening, like, I am not a big fan of the way our our public discourse tends to respond to uh, to evil acts like this. I mean, the common response is the guy's nuts. Yeah, the guy's insane. He's crazy. He's nuts. Uh, let's just dismiss him and move on. Like, we don't even need to. Like we just know he's crazy, right? Do yeah. we, we really need to talk about it? But I was like, that's not that's a cop out. You've got to be careful about that because yeah. I do. I, do I believe that insanity exists? Yes, I do. But I think it's overplayed. That yeah. card is overplayed. We I what I believe in is evil depravity, like, like men being, men, worshiping created things rather than the Creator Romans one and being given over to their depravity. Like or Second Thessalonians, where the Apostle Paul says, "Those who refuse to love the truth we cause to love a lie." Yeah. Like the evil that they embrace, and you know, thinking about this, it's very interesting. Even the most wicked people, no one thinks that they're the evil one like no one thinks that they're the bad guy right. everyone they think they're doing the world that favor. they're the hero they're of the their good story one. yeah exactly. exactly and that's just a you know it strikes me as like wow can you really like you know thinking about like reading hitler he thought of himself as the hero you know this guy thinks he's a, a freedom fighter and a martyr and trying to save the west and it's like they really think that they're the good guy.
1: Yeah one one person's freedom fighter is another person's terrorist.
0: Well, in the and, world
1: and of vice versa.
0: Well, yeah, if there's no objective truth, that's exactly, true. And exactly, and that's the
1: thing. That's where you need God's standards. That's so, right. So here's the thing, right? So like Christianity likewise makes some of these distinction. Like we talk about this notion of collective guilt mm-hmm. from from history, from present, and kind of with implications for the future, like. Christianity has categories for that, but the categories for collective guilt is in Adam. It's sin, right? right? It's covenantal. It's covenantal. And that's that's something for which we need... Christ. So, in the same way, you know, there are the, all of these dialectics that, yeah. that get brought up in in conversation. It, it, there's all these. You know, you could look at you know white and black. You know, European or Muslim or Jewish or or Aryan or you know wh- whatever the case may be, whatever your favorite uh, dichotomy is. Now, like so, so in Christianity, there you know, in in Islam, right? You could have the house of war and the house of peace. In Christianity, you have a, a notion as well, where there, you have someone who is a believer, someone who is a not believe, believer. Mm-hmm. The difference is that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but are spiritual, and therefore mighty for the casting down of every lofty thought raised against the imagine raised That's against right. Christ Taking Jesus. Taking every thought captive. Take every thought captive There's for Christ thoughts. Jesus. It's yeah, thoughts. it's it, and it's spiritual in in nature, right? So when yep. when Jesus says, you know, yeah, I could send a whole legion of angels to come down and get me, but he we. God's followers in, in Christ are not those who take up arms in defense of the gospel. We don't. We are those who die for the cause of the gospel, right? And that is a tremendous difference that's borne out historically just in, in how Christianity has been spread. It's, it's been, by and large, the vast majority of the spread of Christianity, there have been exceptions, but the, by and large, the spread of Christianity has been through conversion, yeah, and there's reason for that. Yes, right now. Now have there have there been, you know, have there been instances where that's not been true, and it was spread by the sword, and there was all kinds of evil perpetuated in the na- in the name of Christ? Of course there is. But the difference is that was done despite what God's Word teaches, and it's not, not really spread of by the sword. What God's Word because teaches because
0: conversion can never be by co- by the sword, yeah, by coercion. That's right. Because what is it? See, here's where our Christian worldview has to come into play. And this is what separates Christianity from this, well, from from Islam, number one, but also from this racial, uh, racist, uh, ethnocentric idea, right? all All of them would say, hey, the solution ultimately is through some sort of power, like earthly power. Fleshly power, whether it's political or, or through violence, or whatever the case may be. But Christianity, like Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. The weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have the divine power mm. to destroy. Like you said, destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments. Yeah. We destroy arguments. And every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. And take every thought captive to obey Christ, mm. like that's war language, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and also in Ephesians, you know, you know, wield the sword of truth, mm. the sword which is the word of God, yeah, right, and it's sharper than any two-edged sword. Yep. So, as Christians, we have a goal, which God is the one that's that's reaching that goal, heaven on earth, proclamation of the gospel, conversion of of sinners. Saving of souls. That is God's doing, using his people, us, you and I, to present the gospel, share the gospel, disciple others through the word, through the spoken word, and ultimately through the word of God, which is, uh, which is uh, given to us as our, as our weapon of warfare and through prayer. And that's how we uh, change the world. That's how, we, that's how the world is changed. Right, but these other false religions they're, and I call them religions because that's what they are they are false religions they also have a utopia an end state but it is achieved by the weapons of the flesh um, not through the changing of hearts and minds um, and it's odd because at the end of the day this, this New Zealand shooter he was kind of sort of railing against Islam, as far as how it leads to greater birth rates and, and, and different culture, and that, and that. But that's the thing Like Islam is an idea, it is an ideology. Okay. And um, how do you, re- if you really want to defeat an ideology, how do you do it? With another ideology. Mm. That's how you defeat an ideology with words, with ideas. You take thoughts captive to Christ. Yeah. And that's how Christians are to wage war. So we should not be tempted to do what the Muslims do. Some of the Muslims, the radical Muslims do as far as trying to spread Islam through force. Yeah. Or to try to do what this guy does, preserve culture through force. God will preserve culture through the word. Yeah. That's that's how culture gets preserved and God will expand his kingdom through the word not through force
1: and that's why like ultimately like i i hear when we're talking about um some of the dangers of extremism as it manifests itself in terrorism and yeah. that could be of this sort of kind of any white ethnocentricity yeah or any other sort you know yeah. maybe uh, you know muslim ter- acts of terrorism it could be any kind of act of terrorism when you're dealing with those kinds of extremes i think it's naive on the one hand you know i i hear people kind of who identify on the political right to say, it's just a military solution, you know? Oh, yeah. Drop some bombs and, and let the military handle it, and it'll be a done deal. And I hear the left kind of equally naive saying, All the, you know, what they really need is jobs.
0: Jobs, economy. They, they, yeah, they uh, really modern need... Modern technology, culture tech.
1: comforts. Exactly. And, and that's the secularism encroaching, the very secularism that they're fighting against, right? So um, they don't want that. So, so like, on... on I, I think both of those are naive, right? Yes. Ultimately, I think what addresses these is missionary work, evangelism, and it's the gospel going forth. Because to your point, you need an idea to 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 confront these ideas. other ideas. That's right. Right, and so I think what you're left with outside of Christ is raw power struggle. That's it. And we see that manifest whether it's in you know the secular West or, the, you know, other, you know, religions in the East yeah. or elsewhere in the world, um, it, it ends up being reduced to a question of power. And in secular terms, that gets reduced to race, class, and gender. And in religious terms, particularly with Islam, because it's probably the, you know, the, the, the dominant example globally, certainly with respect to rate of increase. Um, you know, the, the, there it, you, you see the same kinds of things all coming under this notion of collective guilt for Western encroachment and for you know all kinds of uh, sins of the past, yeah. And you know, with, with you know, there there is no in that sense. If you follow, you track that line all the way down the line. You know, there is no innocent Western person.
0: No.
1: Ultimately, um, and so it does become kind of a power struggle for quote unquote the House of Peace yeah. to gain peace by forcing submission to those who are otherwise. Um, invaders into Muslim lands—it's a power struggle. In Christ, the King. Here's the power—he has the power. That's right. It's spiritual. The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of His Christ, and He shall reign forever and ever. The power is divested from us, yeah. and it is purely invested in Christ as King, who reigns even now, seated at the right hand of the Father, right. and will come again in glory to set all this right. So in the meantime, what we all need to do in light of the terrible attacks on, uh, of, of the New Zealand shooter who shot up that mosque, what we all need to do is repent and come back to this, this notion of Christ as king. And we are not going to see that kind of peace among the nations until we have Christ as king in our hearts, I, I'm totally convinced of that. I know that sounds naive uh, and whatever, but I'm totally convinced of that. Oh, uh, yeah, absolutely, brother. I mean... And the day is coming when he comes back. Every knee will bow. That's true. Right?
0: Every yeah. knee will bow. And if a people don't believe in spiritual warfare or that it exists or in spiritual power, their only recourse is to use earthly power. Right. And that's the thing. That's what we have to show people and explain to them. That's not how... That's not how God made the world, yeah. you know. So, well, we've uh, hit on a very, very serious topic, and it's, uh, it's uh, hopefully been useful for you, uh, those of you who are listening. Um, it's a very heavy topic, difficult topic, but one that uh, we think does need to be addressed. And as Christians, we have an answer for it. Uh, we we uh, Dylan and I hit on just a couple of those topics, and there's more that I'm sure we could we could say, but time certainly... Uh, it eludes us there. So, uh, again, thank you for listening to our uh, episode today on Two Guys in the Bible. Uh, if you have any questions, anything else that you want to talk to us about, anything to follow up, maybe on this topic or a related topic, please do not hesitate to uh, email us at uh, the number two guys in the Bible.podcast uh, at gmail.com. If you just go to our website, Guys in twoguysinthebible.org. There'll be a link there to uh, communicate to us, send us an email. And also, uh, if you do find our podcast to be a blessing and you wish to support us, there is a, an option there to join us uh, in that. So that's the number two, guysinthebible.org. So again, thank you for joining us. And Dylan, thank you for tackling this uh, heavy and important topic with me tonight. Yeah, thank you for raising it, brother. Yeah. So with that said... Hey Karen, God bless.